handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I am your host, J.L. Covan. And oh no, the intro's back. That interminable, 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 never-ending intro is back. Why? Because one person told me a few weeks ago, I like the intro. And I said, well, fine, I'll put it back. And if people don't like it, they can just fast-forward. I think it's, uh, you know, like a minute 40 or something, and they can have their, you know, their, their, their more lean, mean, but still equally depressing Righteous Prick podcast the way they've been having it for the last few months. But hey guys, it's uh, 1.19 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, the Lord's Day, 16th of April in aforementioned Lord's year 2023, eight days from the righteous birthday, 44, guys, Obama. Um, kind of funny that uh, the year of the year of uh, Trump's third go at the presidency, I will turn 45. I will turn 45 while President 45 tries to become President 47. Um, I'm hoping he becomes human being 86. That's an 86 joke. That's a secret service. I'm just kidding. This is a comedy podcast. I don't mean that in any way. But if natural causes, if if natural causes can can become a little more motivated soon, that we'd welcome that. Um, but I'm not conspiring with the Lord or natural causes or nature or cholesterol. I'm just sort of putting out. Good vibes, which whenever I put out good vibes, that usually means that I'm going to be in serious trouble or despair. So, guys, it's time for a fun podcast, isn't it? Um, I don't really do those, but we'll try. We'll make an effort. But, yeah, eight days from the 44th birthday. Um, uh, it will be the second birthday that passes since I first recorded uh, Half Blackface. And, by the way, um, Friday was 11 months to the day. Uh, there was another Patreon episode. Uh, by the way, thank you for everybody who voted on the Patreon. Um, Tallboy 
is going to be the name of the second special, which right now, uh, what, what started as a joke, to quote Rocky IV, what started as a joke has become a disaster. <laughs> but now, of course, they were describing the death of Apollo Creed. Spoiler, 1985 movie. They were discussing the death of Apollo Creed. But I feel like that is the perfect quote to sum up Half Blackface. What began as a joke has turned into a night a disaster. I think he says a disaster as Apollo convulses on the ring. By the way, I've said it before, I'll say it again. What goes on in the ring in the Rocky movies is nothing short of felonious conduct. When um, I always, there are a few times it's happened, uh, but whenever like the bad guy boxer is just going off and basically trying to c commit homicide in the ring, the ref always tries to break it up, and then the boxer throws the ref away. And then the ref comes back into the picture to, like, I guess, be a witness to the murder so they can testify later in trial. They don't make any more attempts to break up the fight. They're just like, well, I was going to call this fight uh, 90 punches ago, but now I'm just going to watch and, you know, just in case the DA needs me. Shut up, Cookie. In case the DA needs me to testify later, I might as well just get a front. Shh, cookie, shut the fuck up. Come here. Cookie! Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Come here. I know you're very upset. There's people in the hallway. That's, 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 you know, it only happens 38 times a day. I know. Oh, yes. Whimper, whimper. Come on. I had to kick you out because you laid, you, you've been farting something fierce. Um, get in here. Get in here. Cookie, get in here. You're fucking up the podcast. There's 19 people who rely on this for humor and... Uh, schadenfreude and whatever else uh anyway guys hey guys cookie's now here guest hosting hello cookie oh you're so good you're so good except when you're not which is half the day hello do i sleep poorly because of you yes but you're a rescue dog and to a lot of people that means your life matters more than me well i'm here to say all mammals lives matter anyway guys where was i rocky four so, yeah, and, and I think they may have done it in Creed 3. Oh, yeah, in Creed 3, he's just like totally, spoiler, um, in one of the fights, he's just totally using uh, an array of illegal moves and then just uh, punishes the guy. But I guess they didn't want to kill him like in Rocky 4. They were like, let's do it a little differently. But, yeah, Rocky 4. Ref tries to break up the fight. Drago throws the ref across the ring. I feel like that would be an immediate call for security and police intervention. Drago continues to pummel Apollo, who is defenseless. And then the ref just kind of moseys on back into the picture to be like, okay, let's just see how this one works out. I was going to call the fight, um, but uh, I, guess, I guess I'll just record this for history at this point. I won't intervene again. So... Um, that ref would have definitely been sued by the estate of Apollo Creed, the, the boxing commission. I forget, were they in Vegas? Uh, the, the, the boxing commission was... Basically, um, anyway, that's, that's... I don't know what... Yes, all this, all this tangent, because half blackface, what started as a joke has become a disaster. Or does he say nightmare? Guys... I'm going to look this up. This is called great podcasting. Uh, what began as a joke 
has become a nightmare. Rocky Four. Give me a quote. What start? Oh, oh no! What started out as a joke has turned out to be a disaster. Okay, so there we go, guys. That may be the title of the podcast. That may also be title of my memoir. Um, and it'll just be. And because Drago was white and Apollo was black, it might just be me as Drago in like the winter. So I'm super pale. And then me, my head on Apollo's body, all bashed and bloodied, um, very tan, like in August. So you also get that that interracial uh, struggle as well. So where were we before we went on a whatever tangent that was, a five-minute walk down Rocky Four memory lane? That was uh, That's what we do on this podcast. My brother and nephew are coming back from Florida today. Uh, I'm going to do a little humble bragging right now because I, I basically, my brother had thrown for my sister-in-law a, a very nice 50th birthday party. They rented a house in Martha's Vineyard. He invited family and friends and everything like that. And due to um, a dose of pandemic, but mostly um, issues related to the um, uh, to my older nephew, um, my brother, like there was no chance to even plan any kind of special 50th birthday party, let alone do anything. I think it was that same week they were bringing my older nephew to his new school in uh, upstate New York. Um, if you're new to the podcast, uh, my older nephew is autistic. And my brother for the last year or so has basically been, he had to, he had to basically leave his job um, because due to the needs of my older nephew, but also um, my sister-in-law is very petite. And my uh, nephew uh, is, uh, you know, the size of a, a regular sized man. Now, thankfully, he doesn't have his uncle's mutant genes, but he's, uh, you know, he's slightly taller than the average American man. And he's 18 years old. So my brother is the only one with the facilities in the household to sort of in case uh, things get physical or, or agitated. He, he has to be. So he basically became my my older nephew's kind of constant companion caregiver. So I thought, well, my career is done. And I'm never going to have, unless I win in gambling, and we'll get to a big gambling update uh, later in the show. We're back with Uncut Gems. Um, but uh, no, I thought, you know, 2020, 2021, um, I wanted those to be the start of a, of a career rebirth but they really were just more like uh i i accurately compared my career as early as 2020 to the movie awakenings basically my career was in a stupor a coma some medication in the form of pandemic boredom showed up i made a ton of money in the space of like 14 months 16 months <clears throat> and now my career has actually regressed to a point worse than it was in 2019 so you do the math i don't i don't know how that's possible um but it's just to give you an example for anybody who's been looking for me to return to a city or come to a city um i i sent out my emails last week uh to the clubs i've worked and i got zero responses so i don't think i'm coming back to barring just independent little venues um that I would have to do a lot of work on uh it seems like my career is sort of like it's the old the old joke uh, that I've been telling for a while. It's like, if no fans show up to shows and clubs don't return my emails and agents reject me 100% of the time, 
I don't re- I, I don't really have a comedy career. My my only comedy career I have is basically I've been able to make Jay Nog my co-host on Making Podcasts Great Again. I've been able to make him a lot of money revenue sharing our podcast. So maybe I should be an agent or a manager because like I've 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 had more success building up his bank account than my own from from comedy. So it's 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 a and, I, and that's no slight. I'm just saying it's kind of bizarre that I can I can do that for another comic just on the strength of my fan base and skills, but I can't get anybody to work with me or hire me or represent me. So this and once again, we've been through this a lot. This is about my brother. I know I make I can I can make anything really about how much I hate my comedy career. What started as a joke has become a disaster. Um, <laughs> you ain't stopping nothing. <laughs> That's me with my comedy career. Hey, yo, J.L., maybe we should, you know, hey, this guy's, this comedy career is beating the shit out of you. Maybe we should throw, you ain't throwing in the towel, Stallion. Don't throw in the towel. Nothing. Don't. <sighs> and then I go out there and this comedy just starts bashing me in the skull. Anyway, um, but it's just one of, you know, it's one of those things where you just have to sort of say, okay, like, let's be realistic. For everybody who says, you got to stick with it. You got to go, I'm, I'm giving you just the basic facts. Um, I can make this related to a different job. Um, if you're a professor at a college and the school says we're not giving you tenure, your students tell you to fuck off every day, and um, is there a third? And your fellow teachers hate you. <laughs> Like, do you stay in that school? Like, who in their right mind would be like, you got to keep doing it? Let, now, just to boost that, I do have a PhD from Harvard in history. And I graduated magna cum laude uh, from, from, from Harvard. So I'm a, I'm a history scholar of some worth. But the school has told me that they will not give me tenure. My students give me bad reviews and tell me to fuck off. And my fellow teachers um, are stealing my lunch every day and urinating in my desk. So if somebody were to say, hey, man, but, you know, you're, you are a great teacher. You, you got to stick it out. You'd be like, I, I do. I'm going to. I don't think I do. I don't think I need to stick this out. I'm pretty sure I should. De- I'm pretty sure it'd be mental illness if I stick this out. So I think I'm going to trust my instincts and bounce. So um, I don't have to, you know, tall boy. I'm getting the edits. I'm getting the first edit, I think, early this week. And then my mom is going to deliver um, my class photos. So on Patreon, ooh, ooh, Patreon plug, everybody's least favorite part of the podcast, other than the fact that it exists at all. Patreon.com slash JL Covan. Tallboy has already been has already won the title, the poll for the title of the uh, second special, which will become the first special, it seems. And uh, I will be posting some photos, some my elementary school and kindergarten class photos as proof that I was always the back row center. Tallest oh, 13 and 0 in my in my uh, school career for class photo center. Um, I uh I was even one of the two centerpieces of my uh, college hoops senior year photo. Anyway, um, 
but people can enjoy those. I'll probably make the choice myself, but I'll, I'll weigh some feedback. So I'll post those as like a little album on the Patreon page. As always, we're up to like 31 bonus episodes. That's a good 31 bonus episodes in a, in a year of Patreon. That's pretty good, guys. Not counting the, the, the House of the Dragon 10 episode recap series. So that's, if you, if you look at that, if I've been doing Patreon for 13 months and I've done 40, I think 41 additional episodes, that's practically a full extra season of Righteous Brick. It's not quite, but it's almost, you know, it's like 80% of an additional year's worth of podcasts, um, as well as the videos and the monthly book reviews I will be reviewing next week. Uh, Christopher Hitchens, uh, God is Not Great, um, which I have found um, challenging, disturbing, and funny. Uh, and uh, what's the other book? The Godfather by Mario Puzo. So Ron Reagan Jr. will be doing those reviews. So if you're a fan of this podcast, not afraid of reviewing books with God in the title. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But And then obviously if you're new, I have a few people who've, who've recently signed up to the Patreon. So thank you very much. Um, you have to scroll back a little ways to get to some of the earlier bonus videos, like the three episodes of Mike Pence Gaming, the two episodes of Mitch McConnell Cooking, the one episode of Andrew Cuomo's podcast that he was starting. So those are worth, you know, three or four minutes of scrolling, though, because those are those are some of the crown jewels of the Patreon world. Um, and then just on a lesser note this week, uh, you'll be able to peruse and vote on, um, you know, cover art for special number two and album number eight tall boy um so that's moving along i've received no word whatsoever um in four weeks ever since being told two weeks from now i would uh know where my special was hopefully going i mean we all know it's going it's going to hell basically that's the only place half blackface is headed but i'd just like to know when <laughs> So I can, you know, so it can say goodbye to its family and, and, and you know, pack some water for the warm journey. But uh, anyway, this was about my brother and like a classic psycho, narcissist, depressed piece of shit. I made it about me. But the point is, my brother uh, didn't get to have any kind of fit. There was, there was no time or ability to do or plan a sort of 50th birthday for him. So I said, my career is done. I'm probably never going to have, uh, outside of gambling winnings or the lottery, I'm probably never going to have a period of, of economic growth like I did, which is its own disappointment and perplexing life challenge for me. Um, better to have won, gotten the money over the course of a couple of years than never have gotten it, but now it just sits in a bank account collecting 4% because I don't want to touch it because it feels like a reminder of the ephemeral and disappointing nature of my comedy career. But anyway, back to my brother. Um, I said, you know, he hasn't been able to do a lot um, with, with my younger nephew, who I sort of stepped in as sort of, I hate the term funkel, ugh. Um, which I, 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 I would say funkel only if it meant fucking uncle, not fun uncle. Like, if I was mad at my uncle, I'd be like, it's my funkel. And they're like, oh, is he fun? No, he's a fucking douche. Um, I'm just kidding, but yes, I, I don't like the term funkle or funkle. Um, but if it's fucking, I'm, I'm a fucking uncle, man. And, uh, he hasn't been able to do a lot of stuff with my nephew. Um, I'm always stepping in a sort of soccer, soccer liaison or movie guy or, you know, just, just 
fun fun stuff, which is great and and useful at the same time. But you know, that's there's a lot of stuff my brother would have obviously really liked to have been doing with with my nephew. So I said, here here's what I'm going to do. Okay, because I I bought them a bunch of furniture a couple of years ago. Like basically, I've I've just bought them some huge gifts, but then like didn't give them anything for two years. So I was like, okay, this is like this is your every two and a half year big gift from Uncle JL. But, uh, or brother jail, or brother-in-law jail. All depends on who you are in my brother's family. But uh, I said, okay, you pick a city in the, in the country and a sporting event, and I'll, I got the points, I got the Delta points to fly you. I'll pay for the hotel and get the tickets, good tickets to the event, and that'll be your 50th birthday, and you can do it with, with, uh, with my younger nephew, and that'll, that'll be uh, fun and exciting and relaxing and cool and bonding and all that stuff. So, my brother starts a new job May 1st. He's going back to the uh, the New York Times as an editor. And uh, I think I'm allowed to say that. If not, um, all 13 of you, please don't share that information until after May 1st. Uh, but um, he said to me, okay, I think we can... We're going to let Julian... We're going to let your younger nephew uh, take, take, uh, take the day off. From school, I guess he took off Friday, so he's like, "All right, fly, let's let's go to my. I want to go to Miami for a few days." So I was like, "Let's do it." So I used eighty percent of my lifetime Delta points to fly them both round trip Delta Comfort Plus. How about that? And uh, and then got them three nights at the Fountain Bleu, which is a very fancy hotel and quite expensive. So they got the Fountain Bleu. And uh, isn't that isn't that so hypocritical of me? A man who insists on call me Jean Louis. It's not Jean Louis, you ignorant fucking pig. But then I'm making fun of a French named hotel, the Fantôme Bleu, the Fantôme Bleu, the Fantôme Menace. No, the Fantôme They went there and they really liked it. And then turns out, and this is a this plays into the uh, the gambling stories. Uh, the Miami Heat. We're the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Now, this may bore you a little bit, but I'll get through it quickly. Basically, if the Heat were to beat the Atlanta Hawks on Tuesday, last Tuesday, then there is no game Friday. They simply advance to the playoffs and have like a week to rest. But if they lost to the Hawks on Tuesday, then there would be a Friday night game in Miami when my brother and nephew were there. So what I did was I bought two eighth row behind the visiting team bench tickets to this game. Now, if the game did not happen, I get refunded. Great. Except I don't get like all the Ticketmaster fees and surcharges. So it's still like a hundred bucks in like surcharges, which is real cunty, pardon my language, but Ticketmaster is just, there's nothing good or redeemable about Ticketmaster at all. So I buy those tickets and then what I say is and here's where we're going to go and talk. KG, KG. Here's what, I, here's what I do. This is how I win. I'm now in Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems space. That's the mindset I'm in because I'm going to be talking about gambling. So I see that the gambling site I use for sponsorship purposes on making podcasts great again, we're going to say it's FanDuel. But I get on the, uh, I get on the, the website and they're doing a parlay. Okay. So I know that if the Hawks win, I get, if the Hawks lose, I get a refund. So I look at this and say, okay, I got about $500 to play with. 
So all I do is I bet $100 on a Hawks parlay. I say, well, if the Hawks win, then there is a game. I can't keep doing this as Adam Sandler. I'll get back to the character in a second. Basically, if the Hawks win, then I, th this is the parlay. It was a four-item parlay for the Hawks. The Hawks have to win. And I figure that's a good bet because if the Hawks win, I win the bet. So I'm betting $100 on a bet that's a plus 525. So I'm going to win $525, which is exactly what the tickets cost me, which was cheaper than I expected for eighth row playoff games, but Miami doesn't give a shit. Um, so I figure if the Heat win, well, I get a, ref a full refund of the money. So if the Hawks win, this is a pretty safe parlay. I then win the money that it cost me to buy the tickets. So how can I lose? Well, this is how I lose. Um, it required Trey Young, star player for the Hawks. You know, first first item is Hawks win. Second item, Trey Young, twenty five or more points. Third item, Trey Young, eight or more assists. Fourth item, Trey Young, two or more three pointers. Now, if you think he's going to get twenty five points, which I did, I go well. He's going to hit at least two. He's probably going to hit like four three pointers. And he averages, I think, right around eight assists. But if once again, if they win, he's the hub. He's the point guard. So that means he's probably making things happen. So, And to me, the added bonus of this was, remember, if the Hawks lose, I get the money back. So this felt like almost like a free bet. So then I look at the box score. I'm watching the game at the end of the game. So Hawks win. Check. Trey Young, 25 points. Check. Trey Young needed eight assists. You already know the answer to this. He got seven assists. One assist shy. He needed two three-pointers. He got one three-pointer. This is how I lose. So I managed, the, I, I managed to go perfect JL jinx, which is the Hawks win, so the money, I am not getting refunded the money for the tickets, which I did not want, of course. I wanted my nephew and brother to enjoy it. And as my brother said to me on text, I've never rooted for a non-New York Knicks basketball team so hard in my life. And I was like, uh, you know, I played uh, high school and college basketball, right? No, you didn't root? Okay, understood. And uh, the um, flip to that is, and Trey Young almost won the parlay for me, but came one three-pointer. He shot one for eight, which is terrible, and probably one of his worst games of the year from three-pointer, of course, and he got seven assists. Couldn't he have just gotten five assists? Like, at least don't don't tease me. Don't, don't, go, don't go seven assists. And I remember he had one pass that got, like, deflected to somebody who scored, and that, that negated it as an assist. And I was like, thank you very much. KG, KG, this is how I win. No, actually, this is how I lose. Come on! So, that was an exciting gambling fiasco. So, um, but it was just, it was perfect. I mean, let's be, I mean, I can be honest about this. Living my life is not fun. Retelling the struggles of my life is my gift. Which is why I hope one day when I finish my either memoir or semi-autobiographical script, that people really enjoy it. Because people do seem to enjoy, some of it is just enjoying me in pain. 
okay? We call those people haters. But even fans and, and loved ones and supporters do like to hear the way I retell my stories of incredibly impossible failure. Like impossible failure maybe is like a title of a movie about me. Um, he had it all. He had the talent. He had the reach. He had the drive. He had the work ethic. So how the fuck did he never succeed? Impossible failure coming to theaters from A24 Studios. Um, starring Bobby Cannavale as J.L. Covan. And what a sad, sad story. Um, but funny. But super funny. Uh, so yeah, that's so they fly back today. Um I don't think, as I said, you know, by my brother's 60th birthday, I will be probably giving him a homemade cupcake as his present um, if my career and success trajectory is a... Like, what do you give to your brother for his 60th birthday if you're a homeless ex-comedian? <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I have to think of. But yeah, my 44th birthday is in eight days. So um, in lieu of gifts, please send me money. Um, no, uh, and you know, buy my albums or give my albums reviews. They're all back on, on streaming platforms. Uh, if it's not on a platform, if you're like, Hey, I didn't find your stuff on spot. Shut the fuck up. It's not going to be there then. Like I'm telling you, if you don't find it on a platform, you want it to be on like Spotify. It's not there. If you want to find it on Pandora, it's not there because of a stupid lawsuit. So, but if you're on Apple, if you're on Amazon, if you're on Tidal, if you're on YouTube Music, all there. So, uh, you know, listen, buy, leave a review. Any combination of those things is appreciated. A little bonus tip for all of you. Um, starting Monday the 17th for exactly seven days, I will be lowering the price of my cameos to $44. Why $44, do you ask? No, seriously, why are you fucking asking? Isn't it obvious? It's my 44th birthday. Um, I like to spar intellectually with an imaginary avatar for my average fan who's a... The only thing lower than the cash they're willing to spend on my comedy career is the amount of reading comprehension they're willing to invest in reading my tweets. Um, so... That's who I like to, whenever you hear me take that tone, that's just me doing an intellectual mental sparring session with my average fan. Um, Jail, I love your stuff, by the way. I love your stuff. I'm just not really into uh, stand-up comedy, podcasts, albums, going out in public for live shows, or even leaving reviews on websites because I don't want my data tracked. But I have to tell you, you are my favorite comedian, and please keep doing what you're doing as long as it is free and showing up in my algorithm feed because I will not go to your website or page specifically to see what you're doing. I'm just going to trust Facebook and Twitter to deliver me your content in the least involved way possible. And nine months from now, after I've missed announcements about your two specials, by the way, please stop asking me to sign up for your newsletter. I don't want to get one email a month from you that details all the important things you're doing. I find that intrusive. But nine months from now, I'm going to write to you and go, have you been doing anything? I haven't seen you in a while. And I'll go, oh, I had two specials, um, two new albums, 
um, and was was featured in uh, Entertainment Weekly. But you missed all of that, as did everyone who's a fan of mine. So I'm actually borrowing someone's phone outside a building in Manhattan uh, near the cardboard box I now reside in. So, but thank you uh, for your well wishing. Um, uh, I had to deactivate all my social media accounts because I can no longer access them, and I didn't want hackers getting into them. So, if 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 you ever make it outside, um, just stop by 43rd and 11th. I'll be the person who doesn't fully fit into their XXL U-Haul box because, if you recall, oh, you don't remember any of my jokes. Okay, I'm very tall, and I've actually gained a lot of weight because now all I do is eat leftover fast food and rats at night because the rats are very big, so they've actually turned into a good source of protein for me. Um, and even though I'm getting fat, I'm also adding some muscle because my shoulder finally recovered Oh, you don't? You didn't hear about? It? Okay, I had shoulder surgery, and uh, I now do chin-ups uh, while while like un over my like by the the lamppost near my near my um, box. I do chin-ups there, and then I eat the exercised rats for protein after. So I'm actually putting on a decent amount of muscle right now. Um, so uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm up to. So thank you as always for being a fan. Uh, always appreciate it. As you can tell, I'm sort of working on my positivity and engagement with fans. Maybe I should have done that a little better before, but never too late to start um, to, to, to start treating um, apathetic, freeloading fans with the respect they deserve. So namaste, thank you. Um, I now have to get uh, gangbanged uh, at a homeless shelter tonight. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. Hashtag best fans in the world. So that is... Uh, how I envision my future, but yeah, the albums, but cameos will be 44 bucks. So if you've ever wanted like an alternative impression one and you didn't think they were worth the full C note, this is the time to get yourself a McConnell, a Cory Booker, a Phil Murphy, a, 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 a Chappelle, a whoever, or if you just want to get a Trump or if you want to do a few for, for friends, for birthdays, for holidays, stockpile, whatever, for this week, they'll be 44 bucks starting Monday. Um, I will announce that, but you guys get the uh, you guys get the early announcement, okay? For for all my premium listeners who listen to Righteous Brew Podcast, okay, all right. Um, obviously, you could also join the Patreon. I think that's a mutually beneficial thing to do. Um, join the Patreon, you know, try it. Be like, it is Jail's birthday, and I don't want him to live in a in a box. Um, so maybe, just maybe, I will sign up for his Patreon. But uh, I have only one show left uh, in Red Bank, New Jersey on Saturday, April 29th. Uh, that's it. No clubs have replied to my emails in three months. So once again, this is not hyperbole when I go, I think my career is over. I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to realistically and rationally meet the message that is being sent to me, which is nobody buys tickets to see me. So clubs are, have now stopped even replying to my emails, clubs that I've worked for. Five years, ten years, don't reply to me. I wrote to one club owner in Atlanta, the punchline. Why? I don't give a fuck. And I just said, hey, uh, thank, you know, um, just seeing if you have any openings anytime this year. But as it's been 11 years since you last booked me, this will be my last request. Um, you know, this, and this, this guy, what's weird about him is that he's, he's somebody who has written to me at least a few times a year for 11 years saying, Hey, I have this, like, this is the guy who I was saying, Hey, um, I'm free any weekend the rest of the year, except October 20th and 21st. 
He writes back to me same day. He was like, I was actually going to offer you October 20th and 21st. And I was just like, well, first of all, why are you telling me that? I just told you I can't do that. So you're just doing a thing where it's like, oh, I don't want to book you, but I'm just telling you those exact dates. Um, I once said I can do anything after April 5th or something one year. And he says, so March 31st to April 1st is no good. And I was like, what are you doing? And then, and then otherwise I don't get a reply. So it's almost like he's like meeting some sort of legal requirement to offer me work. But it's like, but you keep offering me things that I've literally told you I can't do. And then otherwise I don't hear from from so i you know that was i felt good about that it may not have been smart but i you know the tone was a little snarky but it's like i don't know 11 years i can i can take the cock out of my ass and go this kind of hurts can you stop doing that i think i can do that uh i i think i'm i'm empowered enough at this point to say can you like you know in caveman times you would not be able to so shamelessly disrespect a man of my of my mass um, but it's just, it's one of those things. So it's like 11 years, I think is enough time. I can sort of tap out and give up on a club, right? I think you'd all agree. Once again, I'm trying to let you into the process. So you know that I haven't reached this, this fateful conclusion lightly. Um, it's just been more dis depressing because I genuinely, and I think we all agree if we listen to this show, I genuinely believed that I had reached a new level of career that was going to be, that was going to change. It wasn't going to feel... I wasn't going to plummet back to 2019 levels within three years, despite producing and touring and all this. But, um, you know, as I say, you'll hear it on Tallboy. There's a, there's a substantial bit on Tallboy in the first half of Tallboy that, that suggests that maybe, maybe God or the universe genuinely doesn't want me to do comedy. Um, it's done in a very funny way, but as you can tell with a lot of my jokes... There's about two-thirds truth filling up that joke. Um, so I got a couple of reviews for you guys. But first, I want—I I just wrote down Hannah Waddingham. This, she's not a brick house. She's a fucking brick skyscraper. This woman on fucking Ted Lasso. And I... Ted Lasso gets a gets a lot of grief for me, and I think rightfully so. I think it's a very well done show, but I don't think it's a great show. But I enjoy it enough. There's enough. I like Roy Kent. Love that dude. And I love the guy who plays Trent Grimes, the reporter. Um, Sudeikis, who I like in different things, I do find him annoying as Ted Lasso. Sorry, that. But I, I, it's I don't find Jason Sudeikis annoying. I've liked him in other things, but nah. But, but the crown jewel of this fucking show is um, Hannah Waddingham. Uh, she, I mean, I think she a little bit facially looks like a sexy serpent. And I don't know if I like that or hate it. But that is a, like, that is a, that is a brick skyscraper, not a brick house. Like, that, that is a, like, Hannah the Stallion. Um, I think would 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 fit. I think that would be appropriate. Um, and cue everybody going. I've never heard you praise Megan the Stallion before like this. Why is that, JL? Is this another Angel Reese Caitlin Cook thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Moving on. It's totally that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm a I'm a Megan the Stallion fan. Uh, she's uh, yeah, I do. I enjoy her as well. I sometimes 
question how much makeup she's wearing. Um, but Hannah wears a lot of makeup too. So basically what I'm saying is I'd like to see the two of them uh, make out in a, in, a, in a classy biracial porn. But uh, the, the, the stallion and the skyscraper, that's what I would call it. And it would be tasteful. It would be tasteful. Um, you know, we'd probably have a, a female director directing it because I think that would be more empowering. That was one of my most interesting things of that movie I reviewed several months ago. What was it called? Pleasure? I watched the NC-17 version, which was, uh, it was basically, we're going to do 93% of porn in this movie. Like, that movie was like, we're going to go 93% of the porn. Like, we're going to show a man jerking off his girthy dick in the beginning of the movie. And then we're going to cut and throw yogurt on her face. But basically you just saw a guy come on a woman's face. That's like, oh, but we didn't actually do, you know, because it's not porn. It's just a porn, like, like half the actors in the movie were porn actors, but it was a very, I did find it to be from a sociological standpoint, a very interesting movie. Um, because it was just one of those movies where I'm like, the, the most interesting things were showing she was doing like a bondage film, but it was with a woman director and almost the equivalent of like intimacy coordinator kind of thing where it was like you felt like she was doing this very graphic movie, but you were like, I can see why she'd feel safe. Obviously, I mean, she's doing porn, like she's crossed a threshold. She's doing hardcore pornography, but that it was done in a very like safe, respectful way where it's like, you know, as I joked on Twitter, I said, I, or on this podcast, I was like, a mental note, if uh, you're ever doing rough, hardcore pornography, get a female director. And I bet you that's that's more of an advancement now. Like, I, I'm sure in the 70s and 80s and maybe even 90s, it was just like dudes who look like Ron Jeremy just going, can you fucking take it? Take it. Shut the fuck. Take it. You're okay, you're ruining the fucking shoot. This is unbelievable. Can somebody wipe her tears? Okay, they're getting in the way of the calm. God damn it. I thought I was working with a fucking professional here. Do me a favor. Why you, while you're crying, can you use that to lube up my dick and top me off? Like, I'm sorry for the graphic discussion, but I feel like that's probably what a majority of porn filmmaking has been. Um, no judgment, though. No judgment. This is a judgment-free zone. I know it's empowering. That's That, that I know most of all. Above all else, I know that it's empowering work. Um, uh, but then she does like a two guys, one girl video that was also rough with a male director. And it was like, you're watching it going, okay, so she's, they're meeting like their legal requirements to not be rapists. But you're like, yeah, this is, this, this woman doesn't want to do this. And now she's getting like guilted and intimidated into finishing a super rough movie that she doesn't want to. So the whole point of me going through this movie, Pleasure, the NC-17 version, because I'm not a fucking coward, um, R-rated. No, 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 showtime, please. That should, I, I don't even want the R-rated version appearing in my algorithm, okay? If you know one thing about me, I'm an NC-17 algorithm waiting to happen. So what I'm just saying is Megan the Stallion... Hannah the skyscraper. Um, let's 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 get a classy. Let's get a classy one.
going. Okay. But man, that's like, it's just kind of like at this point when I watch Ted Lasso, um, my only two thoughts are, my three thoughts are, when's this going to be over? My God, Hannah. And can somebody please feed Juno Temple something? She is wasting away in Margaritaville. So those are my three thoughts when I watch Ted Lasso. Occasionally a chuckle at, at Trent Crimes or, or Roy Kent. But, uh, but that, that Hannah, Hannah Montana, that is, I would move to Montana and cut off everyone in my life if she were there waiting for me in a, in a Yellowstone-style ranch, just saying, I've brought some new real estate to Montana, and we're calling it Brick Skyscraper. Come and get it. So anyway, that's just, that was, uh, that was JL's feminine corner. So that was for all you woke fellas and empowered women. That was JL uh, praising women. That's what that section is all about. So thank you, ladies, for what you do. And a special shout out to Hannah Waddingham. You are a little bit older than me and uh, possibly a little taller than me, but let's go for it, metaphorically, because I am, I am residing with the righteous girlfriend, so I'm only speaking in metaphors, unless, of course, um, you know, you end up starring in my show that I'm writing, and, uh, you know, if you want some extra scenes, fine. You know, let's have dinner, not in like a Harvey Weinstein kind of way, but just let's, let's talk shop. Let's talk shop. I'll get you a car home. We don't have to do that. I might text you after just to make sure you got home and see what your interests are, who you be with, what number to dial. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, you what your interests are, who you be with. Um, <laughs> for anybody who wants to know, Jail, how do you do such a great big impression? I take JB Smoove and I slow it down. Uh, that's a little that's a little uh, impressions hack for you. Other impression hacks you can find on TikTok with millions of followers and agents and represent and managers. Anyway, bitterness comedy corner is over. Let's get on to the next thing. Went to mass today, so if you're feeling if you're feeling extra holy energy from me, it's because I've already, I, I got blessed by the Lord. It was one of those days for all my Catholics out there where it's like. We do after the Easter season. We do the baptismal vows. So I stand there like Michael Corleone, plotting the death of the five fam, the, the other five families. And they take they used to just do like a little metal thing. So you might, if you were lucky, you just got a boop little drop. But now they switched to more of a cloth thing. They're like, we want more people to get the holy water. So it's like blah, 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 blah. they dip it like like a little mop, and they just like whap and. What you want to be is on the, the periphery of a splash. You don't want the Shamu treatment. You don't want to get holy waterboarded. You just want to be like, boop. Okay, thank you, bless you. And instead, I got, I saw the way he was doing it. And I was like, oh, man. He just finished like a boom, boom with like the two rows in front of me. So then I get a fresh dip. And I swear it was like the Lord had jizzed on my glasses. They were glazed over with holy, holy water. My shirt was like... You know, like, looked like I had just splashed myself at a sink. Like, my shirt had, was spackled with water. And I was like, that is a little too much blessing. I didn't need that much holy water blessing this morning. But um, it's, you know, and, and I already know it's not going to bring half blackface back. It's not going to, you know, God can bring back his only son from the dead. But he cannot make half blackface come out okay some things are even outside the power and the purview of the lord so um but that's a great segue to the two movies i saw this uh this weekend are you ready guys
Y'all ready for this? Anyway, I, I, I saw two movies this weekend and none of them had trans people. And I don't have a problem with trans people. What I have a problem with is how people think that I'm transphobic. I'm not scared of shit. I see a trans person, I'll kick the bitch or the guy, whatever the fuck, in the teeth. How can I be phobic if I'll beat their ass just for existing? That's called bigotry, not phobia. And remember that, not scared. Anyway, that was Dave Chappelle on Trans People. I saw two movies this weekend. I saw Renfield on Friday night with The Righteous GF. And then Saturday, I just took a trip out to the mall for a matinee to see The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe. And then I went into a GameStop. I got to tell you a GameStop story, folks, because there was a joke by a comedian named Ant. And I generally did not like his act. And I also found it very funny when he and Gary Goleman didn't get along on the show because Gary Goleman, who's now sort of a friend, but was obvious, was, was a, a comedy role model when I first discovered him on Last Comic Standing. But I feel like... Seeing them disagree, it was like only enhanced my distaste for Ant. But he did have this one joke um, where he came on stage and he says, I know what you're thinking. I know that accent, San Francisco. And it might be a little hacky, but I think it was also funny. And I'm sure it was like, it might even be a stock joke at this point among gay comedians, but I laughed. I thought it was funny. Um, But uh, there is a nerd accent like, after Renfield, I'll get to the reviews in a second, but I went to GameStop twice because I've been thinking about investing in a Nintendo Switch. Um, maybe it's because I saw Super Mario Brothers in the theater, and, I'm, and, and that's one of the reasons why you want, like, you know, multi-platformed content characters where it's like, after seeing the Mario movie, even though I didn't like the movie that much, it makes me want to play some Mario games. So that's, that's why these, kind, these kinds of things are always helpful to, to entertainment companies. But... I do want to get a Nintendo Switch because I want to play Mario Kart. I want to play like whatever this, the the new sports thing is because the graphics are a lot are so much better than like the last Nintendo system I had was Wii, and um, which is of course French for gameplay. And I do have a great joke I got to tell you on on Wii. On um, Wii, on Wii is my brother. Henri is my brother. On Wii is what I generally feel, but on Nintendo Wii. Um, I remember uh, somebody I was dating several years, many years ago. Um, wonderful person, but had a, a little bit of insecurity. So you tried to avoid any reference to somebody, anybody from the past or anything like that. And so we were going to play Nintendo Wii. And I realized, oh no, my ex is still on Nintendo Wii. So what I had to do was, and it was, other than the breakup, this is, this is a person, if you've listened to my podcast, this is somebody I broke up with like over a decade ago. But if you, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a tough breakup because the person, it was, it was a great person. So what I had to do was I had to, to, to delete a character, like you create your own person. So to delete the character, you have to drag their character into a trash bin. And other than the breakup itself and the aftermath, it was when you have to, like, click on your ex's, in a cute 
Nintendo Wii form of your ex. So a very harmless, almost childlike appearance. You have to grab them by the head. I'm not kidding you. If you've ever deleted a person on a Nintendo Wii, you, you click on their head and, you, and, they, and they literally like wave their arms like they don't want to go. They're like, nah. And you throw them in the trash like they're Lucius Lyon's gay son on Empire. And I was like, wow. And then we never even played Wii. So I basically, I, I had a, basically the equivalent of like a 58th term abortion performed, back alley abortion performed on my ex on Nintendo Wii uh, just to please a woman who then would never actually play Nintendo Wii with me. So when people say they don't regret their abortions, uh, don't believe them because I'm telling you right now, there's not a week that goes by that I don't like look at a video game and, and think about that decision. And, and what my ex's Nintendo Wii character could be doing today, she might be a Nintendo Wii doctor with a family of her own or a Nintendo Wii marketing executive with, 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 with dogs and a house, okay? So don't, uh, don't tell me that it doesn't mean anything because it, 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 there are a lot of people like me out there, I think, who regret their Nintendo Wii abortions, okay? And uh, I just think it's important that our voices are heard as well because too often we get silenced in this kind of progressive, like you're either... You're either some evil pro-life, uh, uh, let everybody's Nintendo Wii character crowd up the, 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 the frame of your TV, or, you know, who gives a shit? I, I, I abort Nintendo Wii characters for fun because it's my right and nobody's going to tell me what to do. So just I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, I, I don't, I'm sorry to get kind of on these sensitive issues, but I think you get where I'm coming from. So... So we walk into the, after seeing Renfield, which I really wanted to see because I'm a huge Nicholas Holt fan. Nicholas Holt, phenomenal in The Menu, the movie from last year, and really phenomenal in The Great on Hulu. Um, it's a good show. The first season was excellent. I thought the second season was good. But the first season, I think one of the reasons it was so excellent is because it's basically a lot of good people sur like surrounding Nicholas Holt chewing up the comedic scenery just an incredible comedic performance um in that show so i'm now like a nicholas holt fan and he's the star of it he plays renfield but it's kind of like a farcical it's absurdist action comedy with like you know obscene the boys level blood um aquafina's in it and i find her funny but she also walks and holds her body language like an 80 year old i find it I think she's younger than me, but she kind of walks around on camera like an arthritic grandmother. It's, it's very weird. And Nicolas Cage plays Dracula. And Nicolas Cage, I thought, was really good in this. Like a very you know comedic villain. Um, but I liked it. But I think I went in wanting to love it. Like I wanted it to be like a, like a secret gem that I see. Like I'm like, oh shit, nobody's talking about this. It's fucking awesome. Um, nobody is really talking about very few people are talking about but I just thought it was like uh, okay this is a movie I definitely could have waited for Netflix or HBO Max or Max as they're calling it good idea HBO drop the thing that makes you the most elite brand in television history drop the HBO and go with Max what a dumb fucking idea that is literally like if Nike went we're dropping Jordan from our sneakers and we're just calling them Nike we're calling them Airs 
You hear that silence? Oh, I wanted to say that like Max von Sydow in Himalayan Report. Do you hear that silence? No sound. No sirens. Anyway, Minority Report. Great movie. Uh, but I wanted to like love Renfield because when I saw the previews, I was like, oh, this is probably going to be really fun and, and funny. And, and I trust Nicholas Holt's decision making. Um, I didn't even care that Nicolas Cage was it. I get it. It was kind of like, and Nicolas Cage has a much bigger role than the preview indicates. Um, he's like, you know, he's like the support, the main supporting actor. Ben Schwartz is in it, who's been fun in a lot of stuff, and he's decent in this. I just thought it was like, I'd give it like a thumbs up. Like I would say, thumbs up, solid. But I, I really wanted it to be like super fun, outstanding action farce comedy. So take with that what you will. If it sounds like a movie, you know, it, it, it's. It's not terrible. It's definitely not terrible, but it was just, it was just like okay, thumbs up, B, B minus. Like you, you are in the positive. There were some elements that I really liked, but overall, I just kind of left going. Oh, I wanted that to be better. I, I still enjoyed it, but I really went in like wanting to love it. And then Sunday, oh, so then after that, we stopped into a GameStop, uh, because I just wanted to like look around and peruse a Nintendo Wii and. The Righteous Girlfriend, she comes off as a very sort of demure, polite person. But when I went to her high school reunion, her 20th high school reunion several years ago, I could see the vibe with her and her two best friends. They were mean girls. Now, my, 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 my girlfriend was not the mean girl. She was like the, well, this is my best friend. Like, so like, I'm, I'm ride or die with her, but like, she, my, my righteous girlfriend is not the initiator, instigator of mean things, but I could tell that her best friend was a mean girl and like top mean girl. Um, and I joked when my girlfriend, girlfriend told me that she was the best, she was the maid of honor at her, her best friend's wedding, but her best friend has two sisters. I thought, Ooh, some of that is love for you. And some of that I think is like, that's the ultimate mean girl move. <laughs> so, um, I could tell there was like a me, like they had a little, and I it got laughs, like I got laughs when I kind of pointed that out that I could pick up on, uh, okay, you guys like, you guys were sort of like, mm, I don't know, mm, like not now, but I could just, you could, you could turn back the clock and say, what were you guys like at 18? Were you really mean as fuck? Probably. Um, and take it from somebody who's mean as fuck from day one, okay, but Oh, and by the way, if you've listened to Thoughts and Prayers, my magnificent double album from 2018, um, there is a, a track on high school, re, a high school reunion or high school porn where um, somebody in their class, a man, was a, a porn actor, um, like a working porn actor, and he brought his, porn, his young porn fiancé with him. Um, she was like, she looked like she was about 19, very gothy. Um, they both looked like they, you know, had, you know, balanced meals of, 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 of heroin every day. But I, as I said on the track, he looked like, he kind of looked like Zac Efron if Zac Efron had been abandoned by his parents. So like there was a real foundation of handsomeness, but like dirty handsome, you know, like, like a dirty handsome where you're like, oh, you're, you're porn handsome. <laughs> and she looked like a frail uh, goth flower who, 
you know, probably uh, could really take a pounding. So they were very nice, very pleasant. Eye contact, not at a premium with them for obvious reasons, probably a lot of trauma, some issues. Um, but then I found out also, just to give you an update, if you're a Thoughts and Prayers listener, you might want to go and listen to that album. It's uh, pretty goddamn good. Um, he's now a trans porn star. He has gone full, invested a lot of money, like huge tits, fully, just a full, full woman porn star. Um, or I don't know, I should say has trans, like has fully transitioned and I don't know what the equipment situation is because I think there is a market for kind of, uh, um, to be a penist person, I think is that the term we're now saying, you know, we have birthing people that describes like men or women who have birthing facilities. Am I using the right words? But I think a penist person, a phallic human, um, a, a cocked person, a person with cock, a, a penis per, uh, well, I, I, you, I, I'm trying to be inclusive here. Um, a, 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 a human of junk, a junked person, um, a, a packaged person, a, a person of packaging. Uh, you get you get what I'm saying, right? I'm being respectful here. I'm just I want to be inclusive on the righteous prick. Um, uh, a person of prick, right? Um, the so I don't know the situation down there, but but that the person has gone like full like big tits, looks like a lot of money. Apparently, a very like good job transitioning. Um, that's what I've heard. Um, but, you know, in a respectful way, you sort of wonder, wow, that's, uh, that's, that's an even, I feel like that's an even bigger transition than like when Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner, that was sort of like shocking, not even because, oh, this man is becoming a woman, but like this sort of alpha man, this like world's greatest male athlete, this broad shouldered icon of sort of masculine athleticism is now a woman. And I feel like the only way to one up going from Bruce Jenner to Caitlyn Jenner is to go from like male porn star to female porn star feels like an even bigger shift in terms of how, how, how you live and how you get down. But, uh, you know, they are, they are fucking in their truth and I support them. <laughs> they are, this is my truth and I'm sucking in it. <laughs> um, so, wow, that was, so anyway, we go to the GameStop, right? Ooh, my brain is working better these days because do you see what's happening as I get farther and farther away from comedy? I'm like, wow, my brain, all that brain space is starting, you know, my recall, not a, not a brain fart on this podcast, guys. Oops. And uh, so, uh, we're in GameStop, and I saw the Righteous Girlfriend's Mean Girl come out a little bit, but it was in me too because I was standing there, and it was two two employees of GameStop, a, 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 a white guy and a black guy, and then two of their friends. And you can't really tell the age. It's like, are you like 23 or are you 19? What's the – like are we college age? Are we just out of college? But these were four nerds. And when I say nerds, I'm, I'm talking revenge of the nerds, like – and I realized if you closed your eyes, and this is not a shot at the at the black guy, because it's not just the way they spoke. It's how, like, the sound of their voice. 
I was listening. I was like, you, if you closed your eyes, you could think it was the same. You would have the image of like, oh, this is one nerdy white guy talking to himself. Because they all sound like so similar in every way, not just in like, well, you know, that game is really like you've got to get that game because like when they upgraded the data on that, you know, the first one was like, you know, got like an 8.1 from IGN. And it was like when the update came, like everybody downloaded and crashed the system. But it's actually like probably the superior, the superior experience right now if you use it on the uh, 2.0 system. And I was like, oh, my God. Now, I sat there kind of like I'm I don't belong here. You know, I wasn't like, and I said, I said to the righteous girlfriend, she says, I had to get out of there. It was becoming too nerdy. And I laughed and I said, it really was becoming too nerdy. But I said, but here's the silver lining. It, you know, and this is me. As, my, as, as I work out less and my man tits get bigger and apparently pump me full of sensitive estrogen, you know, that's why I've been such a, such a feminist cuck on this episode, talking up women. Um, you, you... My my instinct used to be like when I was twenty two, I would be like, "Good God, these fucking nerds!" I wasn't a bu- I wasn't a bully. I wouldn't like throw do anything to. Them. I would just comment when I left. But as I left, I I quickly kind of got the idea of like, eh, maybe this is just the lonely, bitter comedian in me talking. But it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice that those four guys, are, are, like, just have that you know what i mean like that's honestly what i thought i was like that's that's these these are exactly the type of people who who i would expect to shoot up a school and the fact that they're able to bond and not feel like losers now now if there were only two of them they might pull a columbine you got to watch out for two loners because two loners don't make a group they just make a more dangerous pairing of loners but four you know it's the old thing three's company Four safe, two should still be on a watch list. That's the you know everybody knows the phrase three's company, but like that's the full the full the full phrase. So if there were just two of them, they could still just be like we should make a pact. Like if you have two guys, loner dudes, they'll make a pact and still shoot up a school or or fucking light something on fire. But four is enough. Now you've got like a group. Now you're like full of shit if you're like, I feel all alone. It's like now the other three people will be like, well, what the fuck are we? Fuck you then. <coughs> but, you know, hey, you know, actually, like Mario Kart 8, the update they did is like really cool. And I think, but I'm, a, you know, you know me, I'm more of a PS5 guy anyway. It's like, okay, well, you guys stay here and not kill any students. I'm, I'm, I am totally in favor of this community and social group that you've grown out of uh, your, game, your local GameStop. But um, I had to get out of there, so I couldn't really get into I, I don't even want, um, and maybe I need to get over this bias, but I didn't even want to, like, ask questions in there. Because they'll probably ask things like, well, what kind of gaming experience are you looking at? I don't know. I'm looking to play a couple of fun games that my fucking girlfriend can handle. Okay? I'm not, I, d- d- don't get me bogged down in all the techs and all the add-ons that I need. I want a basic gaming experience. That, like, instead of my girlfriend watching me play God of War going, when are you going to be done? This is very violent. She can be like, oh, I'm going to pick the pink card. Do, 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 do. And we can have some fun and bond and not just, uh, you know, have me walk in while she's watching 90 Day Fiance and go, what the fuck? When is this over? And have her walk in when Kratos is murdering people brutally going, uh, this is disgusting. So do you have anything like that? And then the guys would say, what's a girl? And I'd be like, goodbye. I'm going to BestBuy.com.
Um, so that's the Renfield GameStop story. And then I got on the bus. And by the way, if you want to see how the f fucking Essex County, New Jersey gets down racially, the bus is such a fucking segregate. Like, the bus might as well just say black and brown people. This is how we get you around town. The, the, the train is very diverse, but when every, it, it, it almost speaks to like when you're going to areas with buses, you're either going to, you're going to a, either, either to or from a, a more urban, lower income place, or you're going to a place that all the white people drive to. Now, obviously, other people drive too. It's 2023. Uh, immigrants and black people can drive too. And also, I know that there are some... Latin people who aren't immigrants, like four or five, but I was just doing shorthand to say immigrants. But no, in other words, everybody drives. Everybody takes the train. But for whatever fucking reason, the bus is just the black and brown mobile. And it just feels, I just feel like an urban planning racism when I get on the bus. Um, every time I'm on the bus, my, my the righteous girlfriend is almost always the only white person on the bus. And I'm the only white adjacent person. And then it's just, it's Latin and it's black. And every so often you'll see like some old timer, some old white guy get on the bus, but that's probably just so he can remind himself why he fucking hated moving to the city. Oh yeah, these people, harumph. So I don't even know what to say, but, but it's just so striking that the bus is so, or, or it's also, it, it, another angle of this is the bus is, is, much, is much cheaper than the train. So it's the cheapest form of transit. So, so any way you slice it up, there's just an un, unavoidable racial component to being on like the bus in New Jersey where you're like, why is it so segregated? Like why, like, and, but then you realize like it's either coming from neighborhoods white people don't want to live in or have moved from and have the means to move from, or you're going to places that uh, these, maybe some lower income people want to go to but everybody else drives there, you know, because, and, and I, I just wish transit, public transit was, was you know, I, I hate getting to the mall. I get to the mall in 35 minutes on the bus, straight shot. Maybe that's unacceptable to people, but it's still like a 16-minute cab ride or 15-minute ca uh, car ride. But it's always just like, you sometimes just want to go, can't we... It's easy for me to say as sort of a lifelong train and bus rider... But it's just one of those things where I'm like, we're never going to get out of this climate shit. Just people are people who like their car are just like, I fucking live. I, the car is might as well be my legs. It might as well be like the Flintstones because I'm not going anywhere without this thing. And it just, you know, I hope we can transition to electric sooner rather than later. But it's just it's I, I always find it weird that there's so many buses that go to the mall. But then like the parking lot on busy days is just jam packed. But whatever, I get it if you're doing like a big shopping. But a lot of people, it's just, it's convenient. And I, I get it, but it's like the, the, the lack of collective will is just another gripe I have with society. But anyway, that's not fleshed out enough to be a serious point. So I apologize for that tangent. I get there to see the Pope's exorcist because the Rotten Tomato score for this was bad. But that morning... Saturday morning, I open up the New York Times art section. And usually when a movie gets reviewed on Saturday, it's because it wasn't screened for critics or they just didn't give a shit about it. And what a low place for Russell Crowe to be, like he's headlining this movie. But the review, I kept waiting for the review to be like, this is good, but overall, it's a sack of shit. 
But the review in the Times was like, overall, very positive. And I was like, oh, shit. And they said particularly, like, and this is one of the most charismatic performances like Russell Crowe has given in some time. Now, Russell Crowe's a great actor. So I was like, you know what? Let me go see a matinee of The Pope's Exorcist. And I'm going to tell you something. I really enjoyed it. I, it's like a lowbrow exorcist. It's, 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 there's more special effects. So like if you're, if you're watching this as somebody who doesn't, like I think if you don't believe in any of this stuff, which most of us, you know, exorcism is a real tough pill to swallow, I think, for anybody, including, including me. Not afraid of denying exorcisms. But um, it's, yeah, there's like more special effects, which usually these exorcism movies are more like low budget on purpose or like low tech to, to make it more gritty and, and authentic. But there's like some big special effects at the end with flames and, and melting people and whatever. But it's, it's uh, but Russell Crowe is really good in it. Like I was very, like, like that was movie, he had, that was just a movie star bringing his effort his quality and effort to like a decent movie and making it like a good watch so i do i mean once again i get it so i've had people who like i'm not religious so when i watch the exorcist i'm like who cares this isn't scary and i'm like well it is scary if, you, if you're not you, you know just like going into the exorcist as a religious person can make it a little more uncomfortable if you but if you go in like i'm an atheist this doesn't scare me. Well, it's a movie. It's still a movie. Like, like, except that in the movie, this is happening. Like, yes, of course. If you, you say, like, you can watch The Shining and go, I'm never going to Colorado, so I don't... When would I ever be in a hotel by myself in Colorado? Not frightening. Like, Halloween. Like, um, I would just call the police on Michael Myers. What's the big deal? Like, you can always kind of undo whatever makes the movie scary. But The Exorcist is, is I for my money, it's, it's, it's unquestionably, I accept no other alternatives or answers when people are like, uh, Exorcist was fine. It's actually The Shining. It's like, it's actually get out of my face and out of my life, if you think that. It's The Exorcist, okay? And it's also The Exorcist on the quality level. A horror movie? A real, not not a get-out sort of thriller with horror tones, but a full-fledged horror movie nominated for Best Picture? Come on. So, and that's no shade at, at Get Out, which I love, but The Exorcist is, it stands alone, in in my opinion, on, in the horror, the horror pantheon. Um, but, yeah, Russell Crowe was just like, it was... I'm not going to go LeBron on a bad team, but it was kind of like when you have a star basketball player who can just kind of make your shitty team workable. Like, oh, we won 15 games last year. Yeah, well, with Russell, with fat Russell Crowe as the Pope's exorcist, we just won 44 games in the eighth seed in the playoffs. Okay, thank you, Russell Crowe. Um, and by the way, as I said on social media yesterday, uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, fat Russell Crowe. Um. I don't know when or why he got fat. If it was intentional, if he's just gotten older and lazier. Um, this ain't Gladiator Russell Crowe anymore. But I know he got fat for Roger Ailes. And I'm not even including that. I think that was a TV series, if I'm not mistaken. Was he in... I can't remember if he was in Bombshell, the movie, or if he was in the Showtime Roger Ailes series. Either way, it's always been difficult for me to be fully sympathetic 
to those sexual harassment cases. One, because I'm a raving misogynist, but also because um, it's always tough to see women like Me like the Megan Kellys of the world who buy into the, hey, Megan, if you could just show a little cleavage and a lot of leg while you're telling the news. It's like, sure thing, boss. You're paying me $10 million. I'll I fuck the Jethro's and, and Wyatt's who are watching this show. Sure, I would love it if 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 white trash oxy heads were were beating off while I report that the state of the nation is under attack because of our black president. I would love it. Do, should I do a Sharon Stone? Should I just have no panties on and do like a leg cross? Like would that would you like that? Would that make the news even better for Fox News? And then demean women and women's movements and all that. But as soon as the fat blob pig who hired them and asked them to sex it up um, goes after them, harasses them, of course I'm not including actual sort of like a rape type thing, but oh, you were sexually harassed by, by, the, by the network where you promote denigrating women's issues and you were sexually harassed by the boss who asked you to basically look like a like a like a hot office sex porn fantasy for your viewers. I can't. You were harassed. There? Wow. I stand with you, Megyn Kelly. I stand with you. I can't believe they did that. Now, of course, like I said, in in other cases where there's like real like like Harvey Weinstein type shit. Of course, no. Of course, uh, no matter how despicable you are as a person, I don't. That that's not warranted. That's that's terrible, awful. But when it comes to just like. I was harassed and treated like a piece of meat. You really, it's, I'm just saying, in the Bombshell movie, it was just, I thought it was a decent movie. I thought it was a pretty good movie, but I couldn't, I just didn't find myself being like sympathetic because it was like, oh wow, Megyn Kelly, like, I can't believe they treated you like a piece of meat, even though like you, you were being sold as a piece of meat and you were denigrating like, you know, the Fox News line is to basically shit on women's issues unless it's like, I'm a wife. I like to shoot a gun, look like a porn star, and suck my fat husband's dick while he drinks a beer. Because I'm American and Christian. And anybody who thinks that that's not doing it all, I don't need your gross, hairy armpits, liberal feminist fantasy from San Francisco or France or wherever the fuck you wish we were. We're in America. So when my husband shows up from unemployment high on oxy and says he wants to do me in the butt, I get down on all fours like the Lord intended and I take it because I'm a good wife, I'm a good Christian, I'm a patriot, and also... My husband paid for these here fake titties. So, you know what? You can go suck my fucking oddly shaped, surgically repaired nipple, you liberal fucks. In God we trust. So that's, you know, that's the right for you. But Pope's exorcist, but, but Russell Crowe, he gets fat. He was fat and unhinged, which I think it's still on Amazon, but that's where I saw it. Unhinged came out in like April of 2020. So it was like... Uh, nine people saw this in the movie theater, so two months from now we're going to release it on Amazon Prime. This movie was so... It was like... It was like, what if John Wick were a bad guy and fat and only picked on, like, suburban people that pissed him off, including women? It's oddly violent, and but Russell Crowe is just like... Such like it's he's it's it's just such a watchable movie because he's just like he's all in on being this like disgusting psycho villain and he's fat which just 
added this weird element to it because it's like it it, it made him more like 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 if he had been like lean mean gladiator Russell Crowe, you'd be like you got to watch out for the guy that guy's fucking psycho. But as like a fat dumpy guy, it made it so much more realistic. Um, and then he was fat in in Thor four, and he was the best part of Thor four by Thor four and seven years ago. Um, he was the best part of Thor Love and Thunder, in my opinion, by far, as Zeus. Great. And he goes all in. Like, like, I, like I never thought Russell Crowe was somebody who would have like a comedic, a comedic lane. He seemed like a little too much of a serious act. Like, I, I'm, I'm very serious. I like to get into the role and I don't like to be made a joke. But it's almost like he's like, I took this fucking role and now I'm going to do the best. I'm going to do all my Russell Crowe-ness but it's going to be a great comedic role. And then The Pope's Exorcist, you just, it, it's one of those movies where I, even though he's like fat now, it, not that fat people can't be movie stars, guys, okay? I don't want, I'm not fat shaming. I'm just saying when you're so used to like the body of Russell Crowe's work, him being like, you know, more of a, more of a pleasant physical presence than a, than a, a gross one, um, you, the movie starness was still coming off him in The Pope's Exorcist. Like, like a real charisma um, to this role. And so, like, for a matinee, I was like, hell yeah. Like, it's not getting great reviews. I don't think it's going to do well at the box office. But I'm like, I, I, I trust fat Russell Crowe. Like, he's not doing the Oscar big tent roles where it's like, Gladiator, A Beautiful Mind, The Insider, blah, like all great movies. <coughs> but I trust his role choices now. Like even when like he's in these movies that are like clearly not Oscar contenders. But like the fact that he's choosing them, you feel like when I, to make a sports analogy again, it's like if I have Russell Crowe on the court, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get 20 points, eight rebounds and five assists. Like I don't care if he has a bum knee. Like, he's going to be a problem and something for the other team to deal with. And that's how it feels like watching him in movies. Like, he's just, he's, like, he makes The Pope's Exorcist a, 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 a plus movie. Like, I, like a thumbs up. And with another actor, a lesser actor, uh, it, would, it would almost certainly be a thumbs down. So, there. There's your reviews. I think this was a fantastic Righteous Prick episode. A lot of, a lot of warmth, a lot of bitterness, a lot of... Um, benign misogyny hannah waddingham if you listen to the podcast i mean it's not cheating if you just if you have a cup of tea with with a with a with a a brick skyscraper from from england it's just networking i can probably even write that off as an expense we get some expensive tea and just you know just talk tall shop like what's it like being a tall superstar and and you know i'll, I'll let you know how it, how it is from my end and, and you can let me know how it is and if you you know, obviously, I don't want you rolling in like sweatpants and a sweatshirt. If you could wear the heels and like the form-fitting business outfits from Ted Lasso, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll get to know you eventually, but like, you know, you know, you. I mean, you know, show up and, and show out, and and we'll we'll have a nice time. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, guys. So uh, a lot of ways to to celebrate um, that holiest of holy days, April twenty fourth, the forty fourth birthday of the righteous prick. But uh, cameos starting the seventeenth, forty-four bucks. Um, forty-four bucks for cameos. My albums are all up. Gift one. Why don't you gift somebody an album? Somebody with a sense of humor, not somebody where you're like, you'd really like this grandma, and then they listen and go, "He was very foul-mouthed." You like this? 
Well, no, he seems like an angry man. I prefer Jonathan Winters. Um, and uh, give some reviews to those albums. Uh, hopefully, if anybody here is uh, near Red Bank, New Jersey, it's going to be a really fun show. Um, you know, and possibly comedy history. Possibly the, the night the lights went out on JL's comedy career. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had fun with this one, guys. So I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my Sunday. Maybe some NBA playoffs. Maybe uh, Maybe some dinner and some shopping, some food shopping with the Righteous GF. And then... We're going to finish up The Godfather Part 1. I want to revisit The Godfathers after reading the book and watching the offer on Paramount+. Plus. Um, and boy, oh boy, Godfather 1, still the greatest movie ever made. I know people, actually, Godfather, shut up. If you like Godfather 2, that's fine, but don't correct me. If you think Godfather 2 is the best movie ever, I respect that. But don't come at me like you're correcting me, okay? I'm the righteous prick. To paraphrase Mo Green, you correct me? No, no, I correct you. Um, and uh, by the way, spoiler in the book, Fredo, responsible for at least 15 abortions. And not Nintendo Wii abortions, like people abortions. So they don't really show you, you know, it makes you realize that in the film, Mo Green's just kind of like, hey, you know, I'm uh, roughing up. Fre uh, you know, if Fredo's, if Fredo is like, has, has created more abortions in Vegas than Nick Cannon has created children, um, somebody should probably chop Fredo's dick off. Like, that should have probably been... Mo Green would have been within his rights as a businessman to be like, Fredo, 15 abortions. It's too many. You straighten out my brother? He was getting abortions all over the place. Like, in other words, saying he was banging two cocktail, cocktail waitresses two at a time, well, that just sounds like Playboy shit. Um, but if he had said... He was getting abortions all over the place. I feel like Michael would have been like, let me have a conversation with my brother Fredo. Fredo, I'm going to defend you to Mo Green, but you have to start pulling out. But Mikey, Mikey, I don't like to pull out. They call me Fredo Cannon. You mean like the, uh, the Moulinon from America's Got Talent? That's not what Pops would have wanted. Well, that's what I wanted. I like the jizz in waitresses. Fredo, I'm going to kill you for that. Spoiler, Godfather 2. See, I just rebooted it. I just rebooted it because I feel like that's that's more uh, more what it would have been based on the book. Like if Mo Green had gone the abortion lane instead of the having threesomes lane, I think Michael would have been like, I was going to kill you, Mo, but let me rethink that. That is a lot of abortions. Fredo, have you considered pulling out? I don't want to pull out. It's what Pop wanted. It's not what I want. I don't want to pull out. I want to stay in and get respect. <laughs> oh, boy. This, uh, I loved this episode. I hope you did, too. I have no idea what I said for the last 80-plus minutes, but uh, I think it was fun. I think it was thoughtful. I think it was inspiring. I think it was interesting, and I think it was wonderful. So... Have a great week, everybody. Um, new blog going up Monday on Broadway Etiquette. Uh, I did one on Kid Rock last week that got a lot of shares and, and, and uh, respect. So, um, yeah, we're just, we're just humming along, um, coming to a crossroads. But obviously, uh, in the next two months, we're going to have at least one special. I know Tallboy will be you know, available as an album and as, a, as video. Um, and let's hope Half Blackface is, too. Um, but, uh, 
yeah other than that thank you for listening I, I know this was a long one but I think you're I don't think I was really too depressing on this one so um, thank you for sticking with me um, you know tell a friend if you like my comedy or my sensibility and you don't just tell any friend but if you have a friend or a relative that you're like I think you'd like this guy um, he's pretty funny and pretty whatever uh, you know maybe share this one if, this, if you think this was a good one if they don't mind uh, too much um, benign sexism uh, but uh, yeah have a great week everybody thank you for listening and I will see you next Tuesday <laughs>